You're listening to The Road. There is a place where you can go, and as you open up that door and you hear a voice say, come in, and you come in and you sit down, and there's a fire, and there's a great seat, and there's, a, I imagine, a great rug where I can just sit down by the fire in this great Lord's house, and I can just remain. And this God of great wisdom and compassion and love says, how you doing today? Well, my world's falling apart. No, it's not falling apart. That's the beauty of being able to dwell and be with God. At The Road, our vision is to raise up wholehearted disciples of Jesus Christ. For more information on The Road, visit theroad.org. We hope you are encouraged by today's message. If you will go ahead and take your Bibles and open up to Psalm 91. Psalm 91 is a, uh, it's a beautiful piece of scripture, but it's a terrifying piece of scripture. It's terrifying because this is a piece of scripture that Satan himself quoted to try to get Jesus off focus and uh, away from God's great plan. I'm going to go and read that in just a second. But first, let's read this. Psalm chapter 91 says, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge, my fortress, my God, and in Him I will trust. Surely He will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the perilous pestilence. He shall cover you with his feathers and under his wings you shall take refuge. His truth shall be your shield and your buckler. You shall not be afraid of the terror by night, nor of the arrows that fly by day, nor of the pestilence that walks in the darkness, nor of the destruction that lays waste at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side and ten thousand at your right side, but it shall not come near you. Only with your eyes will you look and see the reward of the wicked. Because you have made the Lord, who is my refuge, even the Most High, your dwelling place. No evil shall befall you, nor shall plague come near your dwelling. For he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. In their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. And you've probably heard that before. That's probably the, the, the one that's going to ring most familiar because those were uh, the one, that's the words that Satan used to try to get Jesus off focus. But let's go back to 13. You shall tread upon the lion and the cobra, the young lion, lion and the serpent, and you shall trample them underfoot because he has set his love upon me, therefore I will deliver him. I will set him on high because he has known my name. He shall call upon me and I will answer him and I will be with him in trouble and I will deliver him and honor him and with long life I will satisfy him and I will show him my salvation. Part of the reason why this scripture is so, it's really hard to teach. It's just a hard scripture to teach is because there's promises in here that I know that a person could read that and say, well, wait, I'm a Christian and that's not true of me. Like I've gone through hardship. 
I've gone through hard times. I've seen death in my family. I've, I've lost a good job. I, I thought I was going to get a good job and I didn't get it. My house burned down. What, what's the deal? This scripture can't be true. And it requires real wisdom to read this scripture and understand what God's saying. And that's why Jesus didn't fall to the temptation because Satan himself took Jesus to a high place and he said, hey, jump. Like, if you're God, jump and prove it because it says clearly in Psalm 91 that he will give his angels charge over you and they will protect you and they will keep you so jump. And he said, yeah, but the Bible also says, don't put the Lord your God to the test. He had enough wisdom to not take a piece of scripture and make it a fortune cookie. Does that make sense? See, that's part of the problem. That's part of the problem is we take verses and we put them on our, on our bumpers and we put them on our shirts. And if I were to ask, and I won't because you could embarrass me the same way, but if I could ask, what is the context of that? You might say, I don't know. I don't really know. Jeremiah 29, 11 is one of those that's just like, whoa, guys, you've got to understand this whole scripture. You've got to understand that these people are in captivity. These are not like, oh, happy day verses here. And so it's super important. And so one of the things that just made it super clear for me is this scripture needs wisdom to interpret it or a person could interpret it that he who dwells in the secret place is immortal. He cannot die. Thousand may fall at your right, 10,000 at your left, but you will not die. Well, I hate to tell you this. We don't know exactly who wrote this scripture. We believe it was either Moses or David or someone else, but the only thing we do know is they're dead. So let that sink in for a minute. It requires great wisdom to go through this, but the temptation then is to say, well, then when is it true? Then I can't hold on to these scriptures. And I'm telling you, I struggled through this, uh, this sermon. I really struggled through this sermon to the point that I called some people that had gone through some real hard times in their life. One of my favorite people that I called, I call her Miss Denise. I don't know how many of you follow me on social media. Uh, I have, I'm trying, I'm really trying to um, create some social media that allows the everyday person to become an extraordinary disciple. My bus driver was that. She was an everyday person. She taped Bible verses above, you guys have heard it because this is my church, but she taped Bible verses above our seats and you could move and sit anywhere you wanted to sit, but you had to memorize the verse above that seat. She was a public school, teach, uh, public school bus driver and she just taped Bible verses above every seat and if you wanted to move, then you had to go and, and memorize that scripture and you would have to say, hey, I want to I sit at John 3.16. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, whosoever believed in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And she would uh, tell the other guys, hey, do you have that? See, like he has it memorized. You got to move. So you could go anywhere. You could like own that bus as long as you memorize scripture. She was an ordinary person, had just a regular job, 
but was an extraordinary disciple. And she made disciples of kids that rode her bus. And God used her powerfully. And I feel that the world doesn't need more superstars. The world doesn't need more rock stars. The world doesn't need more all-stars. The world doesn't need a better president. The world doesn't need more pastors. What the world needs is for us, ordinary people, to get up every day and go do our jobs, filled with the Spirit, prepared for, for the work of the Lord, and just say, God, how do you want to use me today? That's how we need to operate, and that's what's going to impact the world because there's just not enough MVP superstars to go around. There's not enough pastors to go around. There's not enough presidents to go around. But if you were to influence one person with just the overflow of your heart, your church doubles tomorrow, right? That's just the way it works. Anyway, I digress. But I started doing some social media stuff to uh, allow the everyday person to just say, hey, every day, I'm kind of growing in the Lord. Every day, I'm getting stuff. Every day, I'm being challenged. Uh, so um, that's one of the things that I, that I do on here. I called one of the people that speak into my life and influence that, and her name is uh, Miss Denise. And Miss Denise, uh, if you saw on social media a little while back, you saw uh, a photo of a pick, a guitar pick, that I found on the ground. One of my great mentors in life, he took me under his wing as a 19-year-old kid, he loved the Lord, but he would never, ever in a million years stand up and preach a sermon. It's not going to happen. That's not who he is. He's not wired that way. He doesn't want to do it. He wants to play a guitar. And so he owned a studio, and he helped me record my first record. And he, I, I ate dinner at his table many times. And he was a great spiritual leader to me, but his wife even greater. His, his wife would stand up and preach. <laughs> his wife would lead you in a Bible study. His wife would lay hands on you and pray over you. She's just a giant. And her husband died of cancer a few years back. So I called her. And I said, Miss Denise, I've got to preach this sermon. I feel like I have to, but I'm scared to. And she said, why? I said, because Miss Denise... I only have one perspective when I preach. I only have one perspective when I teach. I don't know what people are going through and how that's going to be interpreted. And she's like, well, that's none of your business. <laughs> and I said, well, how do you interpret this scripture? She said, it's glorious. And she sent me pictures of her Bible all marked up. And she just wrote, there's one area where she just writes, wow. And one area where she just writes, God is faithful. And she's doing it all the while her husband is going through leukemia treatment. And he ultimately dies. And I'm like, Miss Denise, did this scripture let you down? And she said, son, who are we? Who are we that we would question God in this way? What are you thinking? Like, no, he's the most high. He's, he's my shelter. He's my everything. This scripture is beauty to me. But if you're 
not prepared. And if you don't understand what this scripture says, you, would, you could read this and say, well, God, you let me down because evil did come near me. I remember being 20-year-old. I had just uh, moved out of town, uh, 19 or 20. And my mother and my stepfather came to me. They took me out to eat. We sat down for breakfast and they looked at me across the table and they said to me, hey, we just want to let you know it's over. What's over? Me and your dad, we're, we're, we're going to call it quits. And just to be super frank this morning, I'm thinking, you guys should have done this years ago. That's what I'm feeling. It's like, guys, it's been over years ago. Because there was abuse in our family and there was things that we went through. And I thought, why, why am I supposed to care now? And I can't tell you just the, the mess that came over me, just the turmoil that came over my heart. And it was so hard that I got up and I went to a bathroom. It was, we were in a restaurant and I remember locking the bathroom door and sitting on the floor of a public bathroom and just weeping and just crying just over the brokenness. I wasn't crying because they were separating. I was just crying over the heaviness of it all. Over the darkness of it all. I don't know how to describe that, but if you've ever been through something that's just like, it's not even the outcome. It's just the weight of the darkness that is there. And I remember sitting in the floor and just crying and thinking, God, how, how do people get here? How do we get here as people? And then when it got a little bit like, hey, this is a bit, people are going to need to use the bathroom, so you got to get out of here. I get up and I wash my face, try to look like I haven't been crying. I go back out. I sit down in, on my seat at the table and the whole restaurant is just glass. So you can see the parking lot clearly. And I'm sitting at the, in my seat and I see this little girl and she's walking in. And this little girl comes in. You know how Walmart, they have the smiley face stickers? You know what I'm talking about? Those little yellow smiley face stickers. She had a whole roll. This is how cute she was. Somebody, one of those uh, greeters at Walmart saw her and she was so cute that the greeter had to be like, here, just take the roll. Like, just take the whole thing. You don't even get a sticker. You get a roll of stickers. So she walks into the restaurant with a roll of stickers. And I'm, I kid you not, there were maybe, I don't know, maybe 50 people in the restaurant. She walked up to every person. She pulled off a sticker and she put it on them. And I'm watching her just go throughout the restaurant. And there's people disgusted with her. There's some people that think she's cute. There's other people that, like, that are like, I'm trying to eat. Get control of your child. And she comes up to me, pulls a sticker off, and she puts it on my chest, and she just rubs it in. <laughs> just rubbing it in. And I just look at her in her face, and it was like I was looking at God. It was like God himself said, I see you smile. It's okay. Now in my life, my parents were still going to divorce. 
It was still happening in front of me. Darkness had still happened. But God himself saw fit to bring a little girl to say, I see you. It's okay. It's all right. You're, you're good. And I just felt that darkness lift by the power of a little blonde-headed girl with a Walmart smiley face sticker. In that time, God kept giving me this word. They that wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and they will not grow faint. And I would feel literal panic come over me in this dark season. I don't know how to make it make sense, but it was a depression. I would cry. It was hard. And I remember I was a youth pastor at the time, and we were driving up uh, toward to, towards West Virginia from North Carolina. It was me and another youth leader. We were going to uh, scout out some um, youth camp opportunities. Going up the road, and this youth leader says something that just triggers this panic. Doesn't even know they're saying it. But they just say something that triggers this panic in me, and I start weeping. And I didn't want them to see me weep, so I turn my head and I look out the window because um, I just didn't want that to show. Nobody knew what I was going through, and I didn't want her to be like, why are you crying? What, what are you doing over there? So I turn my eyes, I look out the window, and I'm crying. And just at that time, we had passed a church. And you know those signs back in the day? I don't think they do it as much anymore, but they do it sometimes. Stupid signs like, uh, we have, we dunk better than donuts or something like that. You know, like stupid Jesus sayings, dumb Christian sayings, stuff they put on the signs. It's, they try. So anyway, <laughs> I turn my head and I look and we're crossing a sign that says, they that wait upon the Lord Bobby. If I'm lying, I'm dying. It said, it said, they that wait upon the Lord, Bobby. The best I can gather is that was the pastor's sermon and his name was like Bobby Jones or something and the guy, whoever was going to do Jones, was going to put in the last name, had to take a bathroom break, but it just said Bobby. And it was like the Lord saying, I see you, son. But I was still going through it. I think that's what this scripture is, is telling us. I do think there is a promise of protection in this process. I am not trying to undo the fact that God can protect us. That God can cover us. I'm not trying to take away the supernatural ability of God to protect us. I'm just saying we don't have the ability to, to say, well, you let me down because... And everybody that I sat down and that I, I interviewed, I interviewed several people. I interviewed a person whose wife got cancer. They thought she was going to die and she came through. I interviewed a, a person whose husband got cancer. They thought he was going to come through and he died. I interviewed a person whose uh, child died. I interviewed several people and everybody said, no, no, this scripture, this is cornerstone for me. I, I I needed God, and in my darkest hour, God was there for me. And so as we go through this, my hope is that this is encouraging to you. Now, here's what I want you to do. The scripture says, he who, 
dwells. What that is saying is there is a particular type of person. This scripture is talking about a particular type of person. And it is not a just Christian. It's not a person that prayed to just receive Christ. It is a person that dwells in the secret place. This is habit. This is daily. This is, I'm coining a new phrase in my life and it's do the daily. It's because I get distracted all the time. At the end of the day, I ask myself, what did I actually do today? And did I get anything done? And so I'm starting to create lists. And what I first started doing was just making a list of all the things I have to do. And I was getting the list done. And I was feeling pretty good about myself. And then I started asking, wait, why am I doing all of this? Like, I kind of tried to mature to this. There's LeBron James. You guys familiar with LeBron James? For the most part, he's a very good basketball player. If he gets up every morning and he shoots 500 free throws, pretty smart. Seems like that would make sense, right? Every day, just shoot 500 free throws. Now, if I get up every morning and shoot 500 free throws, it's like, dude, grow up. What are you doing with your life? Why are you out there? Shoot, trying to get better at free throws. There's bills to be paid. There's a kingdom of God to be ministered to. What are you doing spending that much time of your life? So what I had to start doing was saying, what do I need to do daily to become the person God made me to be daily? And so when you dwell in a place, you don't just visit it. You dwell, you live there. So here's the deal. I want you to imagine the most beautiful home you've ever seen. Not in your mind, but you've literally seen it before. I think for me, it is uh, the Biltmore Mansion in, uh, in Asheville, North Carolina. Beautiful. But for you, imagine the most beautiful home you've ever laid eyes on. What does it look like? Now, for most of us, we only have a view from the outside. I'm not going to pay the 75 bucks it takes to walk in that mansion. Unless there's a bed in there for me to lay on for the night, you're not getting $75 from me. I'll give you a thumbs up. Kudos to you. You are way more successful than me, and you don't need my $75. So I'm not paying $75 to walk in your house. So all I have of the Biltmore Mansion is the outside. That's it. What about you? Maybe you have a view of the inside. But maybe you only know what the main floor bathroom looks like. What the main floor living and guest room looks like. And maybe even what the kitchen looks like. Because someone has invited you into that home. But if you dwell in that home, you know where the closets are. You know where they keep the iron. You know where the vacuum cleaners are. You know where the toilets are. You know where the toilet cleaning stuff is. I stayed at someone's house this week. It took me a half hour just to find a a fork. I'm like, which? Because they have like a million drawers. And you're like, which one? Which one? Oh, no, not that drawer. Not that drawer. Okay. And then you eventually find the fork. It's because I don't dwell there. I just visited there. And there's a lot of us who just visit where God lives. 
And we're upset because well, it didn't work out that, that way for me. And it's like, well, but God's inviting you to come dwell here. And if God invites you to come dwell here, then you have an intimate understanding of what it means to be in the presence of the Lord. He who dwells in the secret place. That means it's not that easy to find. What verse comes to mind is enter in through the narrow way because wide is the gate that leads to destruction. Broad is the road that leads to destruction, but narrow is the way that leads to life. It's just, it's not that easy to find. It's, it's a particular way. And so for us, he says, he who dwells in the secret place of the most high God. You know what he's saying? God lives here. There is a house. There is a place where you can go. And as you open up that door and you hear a voice say, come in. And you come in and you sit down. And there is a fire. And there's a great uh, there's a fireplace and there's a great seat and there's a, I imagine a great rug where I can just sit down by the fire in this great Lord's house and I can just remain and I just go there and this God of great wisdom and compassion and love says, how you doing today? Well, my world's falling apart. No, it's not falling apart. It's not. Let me show you. It's not falling apart. That's the beauty of being able to dwell and and be with God. Actually be with Him. But that kind of experience doesn't come from just visiting Him. And so some people are like, hey, I went to church last Easter and none of this is true. It's a hidden place. You have to trust the Lord And you have to come and you actually, the Bible compares it to getting under his wing. This is why I know that you can't take this literal, literal. Because Jesus does, God doesn't have feathers. Okay? But he's trying to paint a picture here. Come get under my wing. Let me protect you. There is a place in which you can do that. It is the secret place of the Lord God most high. Do you know that the God that you serve, you cannot serve a higher God? You may serve another God, but you cannot serve a higher God. He is the most high. There's not a more higher than the most high. He is not a, there's not a mostest high. He is the most high. And that's the God in which we serve. My brother one time had conflict with another dad. And this kid was picking on my brother's daughter. And my brother went to that uh, kid and said, hey, let's not do that anymore. The dad found out about it and came to my brother and said, you should be man enough to come to me. My brother said, man enough. He said, yeah. He said, okay. He said, kid, you see this man right here? And the kid said, yeah. He said, the next time you put your hands on my little girl, I'm going to kick his rear end. <laughs> and my brother's not saved, okay? He's not a believer. But that man left that day. 
Well, my brother was the most high in that situation. That's the God I serve, the most high. There's nothing out of his control or out of his ability. He is my great protector. So how do we do it quickly? How do we get directions to this home where you can just open the door and you can just sit there? This is what I want to do. I want to go through that really quickly. If you look in verse 2, he says, I will say of the Lord. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. What comes out of your mouth? What comes out of your mouth? Is it woe is me? Is it the world's falling apart? Is it a, a sense of despair? Or do you speak out how great God is? Somebody coined a phrase one time that just says, if you say so. If you say so. If you say the world's falling apart, then it is for you. But if you say that God's in control of that same situation and the world's falling apart, it's not. What do you say of the Lord? Then look at verse 3. Verse 3 says, Surely he shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler. Look at the confidence that he has. It's going to happen. Surely it's going to happen. And then I look down in verse 4. In verse 4 he says, He covers you with his feathers, and under his wings you shall take refuge. His truth shall be your shield and your buckler. A person that dwells in the secret place of the Lord God Most High uh, wears their Bible out. And now not everybody agrees with writing in, writing in your Bible, and that's fine. I do. I write, in, I write in my Bible because I have a short memory. And somebody one time said, a short pen is better than the longest memory. So I write in my Bible things that I can go back and remember And so I need this. I need this Bible. But I just want you to look at it. It says, his truth shall be your shield. Why do you need a shield if you're not in war? Why do you need a shield if you're not in battle? We'd look weird if somebody walking through the mall with a shield in their hand. Wouldn't it? Wouldn't look weird if somebody was uh, out at war with a shield in their hand. But we are in a battle. And we need his truth the whole counsel, Paul would say, of his truth to equip us for what we're going through sometimes. And then he says, he will be your shield and your buckler. You guys ever tell your kids to buckle up? What's the first thing you say when you're in a car to your kids? Buckle up. You know what my kids say to me? Because I'm the worst at not buckling up. They say, dad, click it or candy. It's a, it used to be click it or ticket. But one time I saw, I'm just full confession, I didn't have my seatbelt on. I saw a cop a little ways up the road. I didn't want to like do this. And there was a convenience store right here. So I pulled in and my daughter said, what are we doing? I said, we're going to get some candy. And she said, said, why? I said, because I don't have my seatbelt buckled and and it looks weird. So we're just going to go get some candy. So now they say click it or candy. But the reason why you click it is because you're going down the road at 75 miles an hour. You come to a stop, you're going through a windshield. This is, this is what we do in life, guys. 
We spend our days wanting to stop. And we're not going to stop. Life keeps going. But he's your buckler in the middle of that. And then look at verse 9. Verse 9 says, Because you made the Lord, who is my refuge, even the Most High, your dwelling place. Give God that number one spot in your heart. Who do you go to when you have trouble? You call people? You get in the Word? You turn on the TV? What do you do? Make God, make God your Most High. And then verse 14, he says, because he set his love upon me. This is God himself talking. Because he has set his love upon me, therefore I will deliver him. If you're going to do the daily, you understand what that means? Get up and just be consistent in the small things. Here's what I want you to do today. I want you to go home and say, God, I know how you love me. How do I love you? How do I set my love on you and make you my dwelling place? How do I set my love upon you? Because I want to be a person that dwells with the Most High. You've been listening to The Road. We hope you have been blessed by today's message. To connect with us further, visit theroad.org. If you are walking through a difficult time, we want to pray for you. Go to theroad.org, click on the Ministries tab, and go to our prayer page to send us your prayer request. Thanks again for tuning in today, and be sure to listen to the next edition of The Road.